Hello, good afternoon, and welcome to CIO Leadership Live. I'm Mary Fran Johnson, your host for the show, and the CEO of MFJ Media and a contributing columnist on CIO.com, where I write about boardroom strategies for technology leaders. Twice a month, we produce CIO Leadership Live with the generous support of my friends and colleagues at CIO.com and our CIO Leadership, uh, our CIO Executive Council. We're streaming live to you right now on LinkedIn and Twitter, and we welcome all of our viewers to join in this conversation today by sending in questions of your own. We have an editor standing by who is watching the stream and will pass them along to me. To me and to my guest, who today I'm very pleased to be welcoming Lukman Fuzzel, who is the Chief Information and Digital Officer for New Jersey Transit. Lukman joined New Jersey Transit exactly one year before the pandemic struck in March 2019, and he took on at that point his very first public sector role in a 20-year IT leadership career. NJT, for those of us who don't ride the rails in New Jersey, is actually the third largest transit system in the country when you total up its rail stations and more than 19,000 bus stops that link major points in New Jersey, New York, and Philadelphia. Before his current role at NJT, Lukman was the CIO of New Jersey-based Argo TurboServe Corporation, a global supply chain management provider. And before that, he worked with several Fortune 500 companies in various technology leadership roles, including Emblem Health, one of the largest nonprofit health plans in the U.S., and Avaya, the business communications technology provider. Lookman, thanks so much for joining me today. It's great Thank to you, have Mary you Frank, here. Thank you, Mary for inviting. Happy to be here. Hello, everyone who's joining live. <laughs> joining live, yes. Um, how are you doing? How are you doing personally? And how is your technology team doing at New Jersey Transit? This is an incredibly disruptive time for transit systems everywhere. Yeah, no, so it's been great. Uh, you know, every crisis, I guess, is an opportunity, you know, from a, from a professional front, um, even, a, in a, even at a personal front, the amount of time I got to spend with my family at home for the last one year, you know, and the and the strengths and weaknesses and the bonding that we established, you know, it's the same exact uh, uh, exact which is carried over at the professional front. You know, how do we continue that that bond, that togetherness um, mm -hmm. while we are you know in, in this pandemic? Yes. So, you know, you had to come up with new ways of uh, keeping the team together mm -hmm. uh, and 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 learning about their issues, whether at a personal level or a professional level. Yeah, you know, when we were all in the building, you would just walk into the office and have a coffee. Right. And, yes. Uh, I have a lot of conversations these days with CIOs about how uh, how high up on their agenda empathy is, how right. as, as a leadership quality, I think everybody would have checked that box in the past, but it was not necessarily in the top three. So, and I know you had mentioned when we talked earlier how COVID, especially for a public transit system, really did change everything overnight and that it was it was a good thing that you got started a year before it all hit. Um, tell me about, I know pre-COVID, the ridership uh, just on, on your, your daily transit system was well over 900,000 people. What, what has happened to that in the space of the past year? So, you know, when, uh, when um, commuters are down and offices, you know, you're not going to work any longer, it's going to directly impact us. 
uh, uh, we are essential services. Uh, so we cannot shut down. We have to continue providing the services because even if that uh, smaller percent of ridership, you know, right now on the rail side is at 30%, on the bus is 50%. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that passenger or that rider is an essential worker when we are transporting them to the hospital or to the other essential services mm-hmm. um, uh, places. Uh, and they're counting on us. Um, so we, we need to continue operating. That doesn't matter whether uh, it's at 30%, 50% or back to 100%. Right, mm-hmm. right. The um, One of the things we mentioned when we were talking about the industry disruption that hit, especially in the public sector, uh, coming into this, you had three big initial goals as you were the new CIO, and this is your first public sector job. So I'm interested mm-hmm. to hear what those goals were and how, how it felt different from the various <coughs> Fortune 500 and private sector places where you have worked. So it's, it's interesting how this opportunity came about. Um, so after I uh, completed my uh, work at the previous uh, company, mm-hmm. uh, I was interested in joining one of the three industries, whether, you know, public sector, mm-hmm. um, a nonprofit, um, yeah. education, um, you know, and business to business to consumer. Uh, why? Because th- these are the industries that you can see your work impacting people's daily lives. Yes. Uh, and you can see, you know, see your work. Uh, appreciated uh, or noticed. Um, so this opportunity came about, first public sector job. Um, and I, I think the organization was ready, you know, they were not just looking for uh, a person coming in from a public sector background. They mm-hmm. wanted a leader who's a change agent, who's, who's going to transform the organization, leapfrog the company uh, and move it ahead by multiple years in a short amount of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so one of the, one of the uh, you know, internal uh, goals or motto I, we, we use internally is how do we move the company ahead by 40 years and we have five years to do it, uh, which means that, you know, every one year of work should move us ahead by eight years. Eight years. Uh, right. If we have to hit that goal. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's been very interesting, you know, uh, the culture, of course, you know, just like any other public sector, we had a culture of, you know, let's come to the building, sit around the table, talk it out, mm-hmm. um, as opposed to, you know, in a technology company, uh, where you could work from anywhere. And that is how it was. And that's how you find in most uh, public sector agencies. Mm-hmm. Well, the, um, when you talk about the jumping the company ahead 40 years in a five-year time period, why those particular numbers? What was significant about that to you? Uh, well, uh, you know, typically, uh, you know, looking at the technology life cycle, um, mm-hmm. technology changes every three, three to five years. Yes. So, yeah. You know, uh, and, you know, uh, the technology business is not like a construction business where it takes you 10 to 15 years to build something. Um, better not these days. Right. right? So, mm-hmm. so it's, 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 it's uh, so, so that's why that number. Um, and then uh, why 40 years? Because, you know, when, uh, when I joined and where we were from a technology investment perspective and, uh, you know, we were still giving out wired desktops uh, and wired phones and no collaboration tools. Um, so if you look at, you know, that's the same setup you used to have, you know, earlier, uh, you know, mm-hmm. 40 years ago, uh, 20 years ago, I used to be able to take a laptop, uh, you know, home, uh, mm-hmm. uh, and I had Wi-Fi. you know, we didn't have any of that. Um, okay. So that was, there was an enormous amount of work to do very quickly, just on the foundational technology. Is, is that something that you were enabled to do internally, or was this work with outside partners? <laughs> 
Now, this was all internal work. So year one goal was how do we stabilize our foundation? How do we get to the to a st okay. steady state, um, continue that investment? So we did a whole uh, assessment of what our technology footprint is. Mm -hmm. uh, what out of that uh, technology do we want to continue supporting and uh, investing in versus uh, getting rid of and sunsetting them and, and, and replacing them? Right. Uh, so once we knew where our baseline was, then we could then uh, come up with, you know, enhancement, improvement, replacement strategies in place to get us to that next level. So, you know, in March of 2019, when I joined from a foundational technology perspective, we were, you know, at, 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 at a, uh, you know, a 40 year behind. Um, and, you know, all the things that we put in place is not something, it's not rocket science. We are not the first ones to think of that idea. It was just uh, made sense, you yes. know. Uh, I could understand years ago when maybe laptops were double the cost of desktops, for example, and from a business mm -hmm. perspective, maybe it may, didn't make sense then. Uh, uh -huh. But now the price difference, there is no price difference. In fact, the uh, laptops have become, uh, you know, a lot cheaper uh, mm -hmm. to deploy. And the advantage, the business benefit is significant. Yes. Uh, well, so and a huge, huge cultural change for the company. Um, just yeah. in general, and you know the the the, the company was ready for it uh, mm -hmm. uh, to embrace that. Well, and it sounds like you had that you weren't the only change champion on the staff. You have about two hundred and fifty IT people working for you. Do I have that right? Yeah. Yes. Did did you require any additional change management training or any sort of outside help, or was everybody pretty much ready to get on board? <laughs> So see, in IT, uh, just by the nature of the profession we are in uh, mm -hmm. and the career path you have chosen, we are forced to change ourselves every three to five years. Yes. So I could have been the best Windows 98 administrator in 1998. Yeah. But if I'm not the best Windows 10 administrator in 2020, yeah. uh, then, uh, then I have not kept up with the change. Yes. So, so our, our folks are always wired. Technology folks are always wired to embrace change, to adopt it, to move on, you move forward mm -hmm. with it. It's now just taking that same mindset. And how do we make sure that the rest of the organization is willing to uh, also uh, adopt it? Yes. Uh, and the way to do it is, uh, you know, if there is, you have to tackle it from a business perspective, mm -hmm. uh, what is the business challenge that I'm trying to solve? Because, you know, technology will change, you know, what, um, you know, yes. in another three. It's just the tools. It's, it's, the, it's the tool set. It's a replaceable. It's a commodity. So, you know, what are the business challenges uh, that you're trying to solve? Uh, and, and then you propose those solutions um, and, and get, rid of the, get rid of those issues. Once you start getting rid of business challenges and business issues, and now you're moving the business closer to their goals, mm -hmm. uh, and you being the enabler, you start then building that trust between yes. the, you know, the, the two parties. Yes. Well, it sounds too like the goals from the business side of the organization were pretty quickly aligned with your own technology goals, which were to upgrade the foundation, focus on customer journey and that sort of thing. Yes. And, you know, there are, you know, so in year, in year one, you know, I had internal goals, you know, goal one being focusing on foundational technologies, mm -hmm. um, you know, goal two uh, being on, um, you know, business processes and improvements there in the technologies associated with it. And the other was uh, technologies that were customer facing. Mm -hmm. uh, so in those three, uh, in, in those three goals, you know, the first goal, which was on foundational, the tagline that we used internally was, you know, how do we move from a reactive model to a proactive model? 
Yes. Um, I didn't want I didn't want another human to tell me that my systems were down. I needed the intelligence in the software to tell me proactively before they were going to go down. Yes. Um, from the business, uh, from the customer service and customer experience perspective, the tagline we use internally is how do we transform that experience, the customer experience into a journey? Yeah. Uh, you know, think of yourself as that person who is w- waking up Monday morning um, and going to work. Mm-hmm. How would you want to be treated? How do you want the technology to support you? You know, how do we make your journey into an, ex- you know, a journey, a, a memorable journey or a, an experience that you'll remember? Yes. Um, so, you know, that's that tagline we used to, there. And on, from a business process perspective uh, is how do we leapfrog the organization, uh, move that uh, 40 years. Mm-hmm. So these were the three internal, you know, messaging that we used um, uh, to, get, get, to get the point across. Well, and and you had a great way that you laid that out for me when we talked earlier. You said there's basically, you've got three different ways you can say you've got a job interview and you have to be there in person. So these days you would mask up, right? But you go out and you said the first one, you might drive yourself because you're fully in control. The second one, maybe you'd order an Uber. And that third one, you rely on public transit. Is your ultimate goal to have that public transit be on a par with being able to use a service like Uber? So we definitely want to provide convenient, easy services uh, uh, to all, all uh, to everyone. So we don't differentiate between, you know, whether, you know, you are, you are close to our station or away from our station. We want to get you from uh, one point to another point. Um, as conveniently as possible, as fast as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, so whether we are able to solve, we are, if you are not able to solve the first mile, last mile problem, and all we are solving is the middle problem, then, you know, that's inconvenience to people. Uh, at the end, at the, uh, you know, I, I want to make sure that I, from a, from a rider perspective, that interview is very important to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going I'm to choose the method which is most convenient to me, uh, most fastest to me. At that point, at the interview time, I'm not going to look at the most cheapest option. I want the most reliable option because I don't want to miss that interview. Yes. You know. So, so uh, how do we get to that stage where we are uh, considered first uh, as the method mm-hmm. of choice? And that's only possible when we are uh, providing uh, better data, uh, better arrival time, better depart, you know, accurate departure time. Um, so that uh, you know you don't miss your train or your bus, right? Uh, and you know once you once the reliability goes up, um, then the confidence of the ridership also goes up. We, that's one of the reasons why we publish our reliability numbers um, online onto our website, yeah. where by by different lines, by different uh, routes, um, all that data is available. Well, and imagine a one of the riders on one of your commuter trains. Uh, grabbing a ride back in March of 2019, and now it is, now we are in February of 2021. What will they see differently? We talked a lot um, as we got ready for this interview about how things have changed for the customers. What are some of those differences that they're going to see and the digital technologies behind them that you made part of the foundation in the past year? So for anybody to consider a a ride-sharing uh, you know, ride. So we are the largest ride sharing um, in the state. Uh, mm-hmm. So our train can carry a you know, thousand people, for example. Um, you know, so from a, in a COVID, in a pandemic, uh, how do we make sure that uh, it's safe for you to travel? Yes. So a couple of things that we did in on, on the technology front um, is 
uh, uh, is uh, uh, the capacity and how full my train is and how full my bus is. Mm-hmm. Um, so when there was a 50% occupancy rate uh, mandate, you know, we wanted to make sure that we are reporting that uh, onto our mobile app, onto our website, okay. so that people feel confident that, hey, this is not going to be an overcrowded train where I have to sit next to somebody less than six feet away. Uh, so that customer confidence, uh, you know, is important. Similarly, outside of technology, uh, our, our, our disinfection uh, work, uh, you know, making sure that it's, uh, uh, it's clean, um, giving out masks and, uh, you know, having vending machines so that you can get your mask uh, mm-hmm. at the station um, so that you feel comfortable um, riding, a, a, you know, a ride chair. Yes. Transport. Are there any from a CIO's or a chief digital officer's perspective, when you think right now you're at about 30%, maybe 30 to 50% capacity, after say a few months from now when everyone's had a chance to be vaccinated and, and they're, they're heading in and they're starting to use transit again, um, what kind of challenges does that pose for you when it goes back up to 100%? So I'm not sure how soon it'll go back up to 100%. You know, if companies are now telling employees that, you know, now you don't have to come to work, you can be right. remote forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that, that means it, uh, you know, ridership impact is the direct impact to the ridership. Yes. So, uh, you know, do we want it to get to a hundred percent? Yes. Uh, do we all miss going to work? Yes. Do we want to, you know, do we want to see people? Yes. But do we want to go there five days a week? You know, that's uh, open for debate. Several surveys have been done as far as do you want five days? Do you want once a week? Do you want a hybrid mm-hmm. solution? Do you want three times a week? Yeah. Do we now build hotels? instead of dedicated offices and cubes so that you can then share mm-hmm. um, for so the real estate footprint reduces uh, and, you know, and then it's a direct impact to commercial real estate as well. Yeah. Um, so, so it's, it's all of that combination. Um, but, uh, but we, we, so just recently we rolled out uh, something called flex pass where mm-hmm. you can buy, uh, you know, previously we had like a monthly pass. Yes. Nobody, you know, very few people are go- using monthly pass where they are commuting on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. So now we have flex pass so that you could, you know, ske- uh, use it uh, as your schedule, um, you know, according to your schedule. Right. So that's, you know, one way of getting the ridership closer and giving them, you know, uh, uh, keeping up with what we're seeing outside. Yes. And now have you done or have you taken advantage of any kind of surveys both inside of New Jersey Transit and also with your riders and your customers that give you more of a pulse on how people are feeling about all these different issues about when to come back and when will I ride again? Yeah, I mean, we did the pulse and just like any other company and there are several surveys, even online, just, uh, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. where people are doing surveys. Uh, There's no one, you know, concrete answer that, oh, everybody is going to go back five days or everybody and no, or nobody's going back five days there's nothing like that right now uh, right. all we know is uh, people want to see people uh, you know they want to they want they want to have coffee you know face to face they want to get back to normal yeah. Um, yeah. and uh, and we and we are ready because you know it's even in this time uh, in the pandemic time we didn't shut down um, so essential services yeah it's essential services so it's just making sure that we keep on going as capacity increases, we, uh, we, will, we, we, we will increase our capacity. We are used to transporting a million people a day. Um, you know, that, that's what we are used to. So, yeah. you know, we'll continue offer, mm-hmm. offer that. 
Well, I had a conversation yesterday with a CIO friend who works in the food industry, and he said he was he's been cautioning his business leaders and saying, well, do we really want to make a decision about something that will impact the next five years while we're in the middle of a pandemic? Because it's not going to be like this forever and a day. Um, it's just, it can be risky, I think, from a risk management standpoint to decide on something, you know, like say you decide only 50% of our workers are going to return and so you move to a smaller building. Um, do you have those kind of conversations with your business executives as well? Yeah, I mean, we, we do have those conversations. Uh, you know, our, our, uh, we have not reduced our footprint, uh, you know, from mm -hmm. a commercial real estate perspective. Um, so we are, we, we are, we are still uh, the same size, same, same size organization. Mm -hmm. We want, we want uh, all the employees to come back to work. Uh, but uh, right now the situation does not permit uh, right. Even if, let's say, everybody does get vaccinated um, and the confidence level of people go, goes up and, and the, the infection rate goes down, yeah, we will see a trend as far as, uh, you know, increase in ridership. But there will still be people at, the, at an individual level where, uh, you know, for example, I have old parents. Uh, yeah. So even if, uh, let's say, my boss says, hey, everybody comes back to work uh, five days a week, am I ready to do the, you know, am I ready to go to work the next day? Or do I need to, you know, let the dust settle, so to speak, and make sure that there are zero cases so that I don't infect my parents? Right, uh, right. Well, and I know that you've got some of the, not maybe that specific issue addressed, but I, I wanted to talk about the mobile app because, of course, like any transit system, you have a mobile app. But that, in the past year, that was one of your big projects to upgrade and improve that. Tell yeah. us about... Tell us about that work and kind of what the before and after difference is now. Absolutely. So initially, uh, you know, the way people were buying tickets is through, you know, going into the office in the ticket office and buying mm -hmm. it through the agent. Or we had vending machines called ticket vending machines, TVMs. Yes. Uh, and it's all over the state. People can, uh, you know, uh, purchase it there. And then, you know, as the mobile app started becoming more and more, uh, you know, uh, adoptable and uh, acceptable, uh, we had an old version, uh, you know, called MyTix, um, mm -hmm. which was uh, which was a hybrid um, so application. Yeah, one one version worked on both Apple and Android. Uh, okay. But uh, if you do that, of course, you know it's a it's a half the development cost. But what happens is then it prevents you from using inbuilt capabilities of the of the two devices, yes. such as facial recognition, thumbprint, location you know, Apple Pay, Google Pay, all of those capabilities, you're unable mm -hmm. to do that. So one of the first things we did was we, uh, we built two separate apps, uh, which were native to those two operating systems, Apple and Android. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and that itself uh, improved on a, from a customer experience perspective, because now they didn't have to open up the web page and type in the username and password, they could just do your face and it, it caught you in. Right. They could buy tickets using their existing credit card, which was already on Apple, or Android and with a click of the button pay and purchase the ticket. Yes. So that was <clears throat> application improvements that we did just by uh, making it native. But then there, was, there's, there were a lot of features that we could start adding and including. So for example, we added the, you know, the capacity, how full your bus in the train is. We mm -hmm. added feature of, uh, 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 you know, your, your, knowing your stop uh, and and one of the one of the challenges our riders had was, you know, if you were traveling um, at night, um, you know, besides the board in the 
train or the or the bus inside the train or the bus which tells you your next stop um or sometimes you know you they speak um in the speaker you are not paying that much attention at times um and you are typically looking out the window to just to make sure that this is the real <laughs> this is the stop um uh, so uh, we said why how can we take that uh inconvenience mm-hmm. uh, and using technology uh, start alerting people that this is your next stop and this is how far away you are from your right. destination right um so you know the way we are looking at it again from not from a technology perspective from a business uh, perspective what uh, you know what are the two reasons why um uh, uh riders will not sleep peacefully on a train for example mm-hmm. you know what because you know uh, i would not sleep on the train peacefully because i have the fear i miss my stop yes um, or the fear uh, you know or that sometimes in that journey the conductor will tap on my shoulder in in uh, and uh, ask me for my ticket those yeah. two things how can we look at it from a technology perspective and solve mm-hmm. it so that it's uh, you know you it's uh, uh, you can sleep better Well, uh, you know, so lo- that's the way to look at it. I love that approach too because essentially you're taking a customer a customer issue which is a business problem really and saying how what do we apply which technology will help us do this it's almost like thinking of yourself as look at the way we all track our UPS and FedEx packages now yeah. we kind yeah. of expect that when we order through e-commerce but yeah. i you don't really think of yourself as a package traveling through a system but that's essentially what you are right yeah yeah, yeah. exactly The um let's talk about I know you have uh some major goals uh coming up because you've just produced a 10-year strategic plan and it was what interested me was your number one goal was really all about the focus on safety and security and New Jersey Transit recently was recognized for a cybersecurity safeguards on customer data you yeah. are the first public transit agency in the nation to achieve this particular level tell us about that and why that was number 1 on your list so when the 10 year strategic plan was laid out it had five goals and it's not you know one is more important than the other these are the five goals mm-hmm. um goal 1 is the safety and security goal 2 is customer experience goal 3 is stronger economy or stronger new jersey goal 4 is green planet and goal 5 mm-hmm. is innovation you know i'm simplifying the goals uh, the right definition of it is online but this is essentially what it is mm-hmm. so when we when and and we know that these goals are there it's uh, it's going to be there uh, as, at least for the next 10 years yeah uh, so now uh, what do we do from a technology perspective and how do we look at business challenges mm-hmm. and map these business challenges to these goals and then once they are mapped look at the technology solution that will get rid of that challenge or or uh, or, or offer a solution okay. so when we looked at the safety and security uh, besides you know the the safety of security of the people and uh, you know you know our, the work that our police department does mm-hmm. etc uh, besides that you know what can from a technology perspective we can do so that our riders our employees uh, feel that their data is protected and secure uh so the the most prestigious certification in cybersecurity which which uh, you know which uh, which we applied for was mm-hmm. the ISO 27001 and the certification was about that NJ Transit has all the right security controls in place to protect customer data aha uh-huh. uh, you know million people traveling million credit cards you know that's yes. the way to look yes. at it yeah uh, million phone numbers a million uh, you know first name last name so 
Yeah. Uh, so wow. it was very important that we um, get this certification. That's great. I imagine that and taking that much of a proactive approach to information security threats. I do think that that's something that kind of gives NJT bragging rights about that because we've all gotten so conscious of how many times we're basically asked and when we're adding a new application, they're saying, yeah. you know, we'd like access to this and this and this. And then you get a Gmail alert that says, did you give access to this? Are you sure you should do it? I, you know, there's a lot of, uh, it's not really fear so much as concern that is starting to map up around that and data privacy has become such a bigger issue in the last few years, hasn't it? That's, that's right. And it doesn't mean that, you know, by getting this certification from an external body that we are the most secure organization in the world because the most secure uh, uh, laptop is a, is a powered off laptop. Yeah. Uh, you know, the day you power it on and connect to your uh, network, you know, <laughs> it's no longer secure. Uh, right. You could have lots of controls in it, whether, you know, you have an antivirus running or, uh, you know, spam filtering running or all the firewall running, doesn't matter. Uh, but, and, you know, the powered off would be the most secure. But yeah. that's, not the, that's not the way to run business. Um, mm -hmm. So you have to have that cost benefit and say, you know, how can we make sure that we are giving all the services um, uh, from a technology perspective, yet making sure that the organization is as best as possible protected or resilient. Yes, exactly. The um, one of the other elements on that list, your your five elements, not in order of importance, but one of them is, of course, innovation. I feel like yes. CIOs have been change champions and innovators and thinkers along those lines for so many years already. When um, what sort of work have you done in that area that you'd like to tell us about that changes mm. in the last year? to essentially shift the thinking uh, on your IT, among your technology organization, but also in the business as a whole about innovation. Uh, it sounds from what we've been talking about that a lot of it is very customer centric, but you tell me. Yeah, yeah. so uh, year two is, uh, is the year of innovation. That's what we use mm -hmm. internally. Um, what does that mean? So one of the, one of the problems uh, we had was um, just like there's a you know a magic quadrants available for for IT solutions uh, from various research organization that you know this is if you need a, the best web conferencing solution these are the top right solutions to focus on um, and then you start your evaluation and proof of concept okay. nothing like that existed um, for the transit space mm. so what are some of the big uh, you know major transit specific um, areas that we, we work in, you know, which are specific to transit. Mm -hmm. uh, we deal with, uh, you know, the, the, the transportation aspect, but we also have the first mile, last mile, you know, how do we, I get you from your home to the station or the stop? And then how do you, how do I get you to the work, which is called the first mile, last mile. That's a specific transit transportation issue. Yeah. Similarly, tracking of your assets, uh, looking at your data. We have lots of data available. Uh, you know, how do we look at that? That's a transit-specific issue, uh, uh, and and you know other other such issues that are specific to transit. So we created our own uh, magic quadrant, uh, so that we when there's a business challenge that comes to us, we already know which are the top three or five companies that we need to be looking at to yeah. solve this business uh, problem. In the old days, we used to wait for the problem, um, then start looking at uh, companies, evaluating them. Mm -hmm. uh, and then start, you know, the whole process. It was, so we have just reversed that cycle. 
yeah. it shortens the whole adoption you know innovation mm-hmm. uh, introduction uh, and why when we did that what we started to then do is we started to as we were we, as business challenges came to us or we heard of them through our mm-hmm. you know other uh, colleagues and other uh, other folks in the other transit industry uh, agencies we started collecting those uh, business challenges um started presenting those business challenges to the organization to the executive management team um uh, said hey these are the challenges we have heard which are internal to us these are external to us that we have heard from the outside yeah. um we already have the top 3 solutions in uh, uh, identified uh, uh if these are high importance could we then start a proof of concept and see if it's feasible or not mm-hmm. once the proof of concept starts and if it's feasible and it looks promising then we go into the production so that list started uh you know just as in an excel file um which then grew, grew into starts. a yeah <laughs> you know it grew into a tracker uh, yeah. and what it did was we started tracking all of these challenges and what have we done about it from an inno- innovation perspective that's cool because what i don't want to do is i don't want to there's a there's a there's a technology company for uh, uh, every solution uh, every problem Um, I'm. I don't want to start now doing multiple proof of concepts only to find out that well, we cannot proceed uh, with full production because you know uh, uh, there's no funding, or uh, or uh, there is uh, you know there's um, you know if if the technology fail, I can understand. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but we are measuring from a hit rate perspective, a success rate perspective, that when you do identify a challenge, it should go into production. and mm-hmm. that's a, a 70% is what i'm looking at from a win rate perspective so okay. don't bring in uh, technology solutions which cannot complete the full life cycle right um so you, that's you that's the way to look at it you don't um, you don't need technologies that are looking for a solution to prove themselves you want to essentially reverse that process i know in my notes i have this down as your diy vendor innovation tracker i i know that's that's kind of my unofficial name yeah, for it, it but it is the innovation tracker yeah and it, yeah. uh Uh, and what had that has done is you know in that tracker what the first column is uh, you know is the business unit name and the second column mm-hmm. is the business challenge okay as we start presenting those that tracker which is right now a list of 16 things okay uh you know the different businesses are taking notice of it i think that well mm-hmm. uh you know how come this business unit has a challenge i may have the same problem so please add my name as a co-sponsor mm-hmm. uh, or uh you know how come you didn't capture my challenge and how come you know please add my challenge to it so mm-hmm. it's creating that marketing uh marketing buzz uh inside yeah. the company saying that hey get let's get on the innovation wagon uh put your name there so that we could uh, we could help you solve those uh challenges Well, that's great because usually when the CIO is keeping a list of things like that, you don't generally have your business unit leader saying, "I want to be on Lookman's list," you know, but but they all do, and this is actually creating a certain amount of competition just between the different business units. So that happens. Yeah. Do you, what can you report about? You've been doing this for a while now. What has uh, what has been a success? Give us an example. So in the innovation in in the innovation tracker, for example, mm-hmm. uh, the business came to us. about you know when our employees do return back to work mm-hmm. uh how do we make sure that they are covid free uh okay. we had you know and we had we had done that study um it was you know simple solutions like self certifying yourself that you are mm-hmm. covid free through advanced solutions which would mount a thermal camera inside the building and check your temperature and all of that and once you 
once uh, you know it found that you are clean it would open the gates for you and you enter mm-hmm. the building and everything in between um so we had that information ready so we presented the the you know the various options to the company and mm-hmm. selected some, you know selected a solution which was most beneficial to the to the, the entire organization mm-hmm. that is one of the example out of the 16 which made it from the business challenge stage to all the way to production yeah you know and there are six steps involved in that uh, similarly when the business uh, came to us saying that hey how do we ensure that we are 50% occupancy rate Mm-hmm. uh you know there are there are numbers that we can get you know there are sensors inside the bus which can tell us how many people entered the bus and exited exited the bus and gives us that count yeah. similarly you know on the rail side it's a diff- complete different solution um so one of the you know the uh, uh one of one of the ways to do a passenger count on the rail uh is to we deployed a newer te- a new technology uh, where we are giving out handheld scanners to our conductors so you know even the conductors don't want to touch you to take your ticket uh, so how do we make sure that we give them a, a a technology solution so that they can scan you scan you without touching you so the way to so the way we did that was when we start we gave out these scanners to all of our conductors so now they can scan uh, tickets that data that we collect part of that data is counting of the the number of tickets you have scanned which equals to the number of people inside the train which then equals to how full your train is. Exactly. Uh, Great. Well, and that's that's something that I think every CIO knows a, a version of that where if you start with the business problem, it's so much yeah. better to start with solving that and then apply different technologies to it. It's I think that time the only times IT gets in trouble in the past is when you go to the business and say here's a great technology that can do this this and this let's apply yeah. it here. It's yeah. really I think a lot of what I keep hearing throughout this pandemic year that we've been in is that there's just greater receptivity to this idea from both the business side and the IT side. It just it's almost like the world has been reversed and that may be one of the things that reversed along with it. Um we have a question from the audience and this is really about it it's related to innovation because it it goes to your talent challenges and it sounds like it's a student from another country and wondering if you have any process for bringing in um information technology communications type students into any particular career paths in New Jersey Transit. So there are a couple of things that we have done uh, in terms of so we have a big internship program uh we partner with many universities i'm not sure if international universities are part of that uh but um uh, many universities just in it uh we hire about 15 interns uh, uh, a year uh, and these are paid internship positions mm-hmm. in addition there are other unpaid internship posi- positions uh, externships um mm-hmm. that we uh, that we use this uh, interns from and you know it's a it's a good, good way uh, to give back to the community to give back to the state universities i used to be an intern i believe in the whole concept of making sure yeah. that the interns get the opportunities to you know to get real work uh, i i hated when you are buying looking at interns as uh, cheap labor and you're giving them unwanted work uh, go sort this file or go do this you know i that's not how, how i look at it at all mm-hmm. uh, because you know we are we are helping these kids shape up their next 40 years so it better be a good experience uh, where where they can then choose this as a career mm-hmm. um, otherwise you know they'll hate the career for the rest of their lives so we want to show them the true picture um, yeah. um, so so we have a big program similarly on the 
uh, we also have from an internal uh, career development perspective we have created career paths technical tracks is is path 1 and non technical track is path 2 uh, so if you are let's say unable to keep up with technology or you you know you are done with it and you are you have mastered it and now you want to try something different mm-hmm. um, maybe you want to now manage projects to implement those technologies Uh, so you have we have a non or you want to manage the finance or the budget around those projects you know so those are on the non technical path so you can switch your uh, roles if you that's that and that's what you want to make your, uh, in, in your career excellent excellent yeah i think do you think that there will be a relatively huge uptick in intern and talent acquisition strategies i just anecdotally i keep hearing some very similar stories to this and some companies that might have had to shelve their intern programs several years ago like during the last recession there just seems to be a real resurgence of them uh, well right now if you really think about it is uh, if if the unemployment rate goes up mm-hmm. um because of the pandemic uh, that means from a talent choosing you know you'll have a lot of uh, re- talent to choose from yes um so it's like a supply demand at the end of the day um you uh, but you know in generally uh, you know the talent that we get in IT which is all you know has to have a you know from a technology background you know a simple example is a sql developer it's a skill that pretty much exists in all companies you know that mm-hmm. a, a, a database exists in all companies if i need to find my best sql developer i'm competing to for, to get that talent from uh, you know every industry so i'd be competing uh, uh, you know i would be posting it i would getting resumes from uh, a sql developer who's at a financial organization which pay a lot more with big bonuses Mm-hmm. Uh, you know versus a non-profit organization and everything in between uh for example or you know uh, so how do we how do we find the best talent um uh, which we can afford uh, yeah. so how do we how do we how do we get a great talent for for the the the, the salary that we offer mm-hmm. well and you tell me you have a couple of dozen positions open now i think you said it was something in the 40 number <gasps> yes yes and what sort of uh talents and skill sets are you looking for i they're probably very similar to everyone else you know the data scientists and api developers and that sort of thing but tell me about the kind of positions the kind of skill sets that you want to bring in to new jersey transit yeah so there is two way to look at it one is to look at what are your existing gaps you know people that have retired or left the company or mm-hmm. uh you know you are expanding the existing capabilities uh so now you need you know double of everything mm-hmm. um so that's one way that's that's one area the other is the capabilities that never existed in the organization uh so it's a brand new offering or a brand new service uh and looking at from that perspective so mm-hmm. you know so we never had a cloud architect uh, initially we never had a big data uh, architect or a data scientist to look at predictions and uh, you know uh, uh, prescription modeling right. uh, of our data Uh, so you know we didn't have a robotic process automation person uh, initially uh, mm-hmm. so now we have those capabilities because you know if we have to simplify we have to do uh, we have to uh, use technology to enhance the organization you know mm-hmm. how do we do that you know i personally like to think that technology is the most critical piece uh, in a- every organization mm-hmm. um, i i even go to the you know an extent saying that you know how do we look at this that transit is a technology company which happens to be 
in the space of transportation, yes. you know, because that's my world, you know, from a technology centric world, but is, you know, mm-hmm. does, uh, you know, is that how it should be looked at? Maybe not because, you know, now you are thinking, you know, now, uh, you know, because it should, it should be looked at from a, from a, from a business perspective. Right. Um, but, you know, I don't think you'll find many CEOs or even boards of directors that are unaware of how foundational having a great technology organization is to their own success. I can remember 20 years ago having the a C, a CIO of one of the airlines on stage, and it was probably one of the first times I heard that idea that we're not really an airline company. We're a technology company that happens to fly airplanes. And yeah. you're right that 20, even 10 years ago, everybody would have, on the business side, would have kind of rolled their eyes about that. But I think that some of the thinking around that may have shifted during this pandemic, because look at how technology has come to the rescue of all these companies. Can you imagine trying to do what you're doing now 10 years ago on that old foundation you found when you got there? Yeah. So, you know, there is this joke going on that which C-level executive was responsible for the whole digital transformation, you know, was it the C? the CIO or the C in COVID? The answer is the C in COVID, yeah. uh, which uh, was the enabler. Yeah, yeah. The um, One of the other questions that came in was actually about that. You mentioned cloud architect. And tell us about how cloud technologies, where they're playing in your strategy and what, per, uh, sometimes I ask CIOs, what percentage of your operation is operating out of the cloud right now? And so if that's appropriate, tell, tell us about that. Yeah, so we were not a cloud company. Uh, mm-hmm. We had few SaaS solutions uh, in mm-hmm. place. Uh, we have about 140 applications in the company. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, primarily, we owned everything, you know, data centers, uh, primary data prem. centers, everything mm-hmm. on-prem. Yeah. That's not the way, that's not the way uh, to, uh, you know, provide service. Uh, because if I'm unable to provide, um, let's say, a, a five, nine uptime or availability, and somebody else does it a better job mm-hmm. and a cheaper job than I could do it by insourcing or owning everything, you know, because I, if I own everything, I have to do, I have to have two of everything, you know, one in the primary one in the backup. And, yep. you know, in my experience, at least, you know, from a disaster recovery or business continuity perspective, you may have an excellent disaster recovery plans in place. Um, and it may work where you have shifted uh, the primary into the backup. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, going back from the backup to the primary, you know, becomes another big, huge challenge because, you know, it's, the, that shift is so big. Yes. So, you know, uh, there are challenges uh, when you own such stuff and, you know, uh, and it, it, it gets costly. Mm-hmm. Cloud uh, providers over the years have evolved. There's lots of competition. The mm-hmm. pricing has come down. They offer a lot more capabilities than we could ever offer. Uh, so why not? I mean, it's just like the say going back to the example, why desktop, why not laptop? You know, why on-prem, why not cloud? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, that's, uh, so that's one of the filters you use when a, a project or a product idea comes up. You think, well, why not look at cloud? Yeah. Um, and from a strategy perspective, it, you know, it's mobile first, cloud second. So mm-hmm. if you are selecting my 141st application, yes. um, you know, is it mobile ready? Is it cloud ready? Right. Uh, if it's not, then, you know, from an architecture perspective, we mm-hmm. may not want to invest in, in those. Uh, yeah. 
Well, Annette, there was a great point you made earlier, too, about the way the mobile app has been upgraded, and it was more expensive to do development uh, in native development on both platforms, iOS and Android, but now it's so much more beneficial because of how capable everyone's mobile phones are compared yeah. to, you know, that I think that's what's so fascinating about information technology just in general. That yeah. at the moment in time when you think you've got the story nailed, three months later, there's a different story. So Yeah, and, you know, our old mobile app in the App Store was, I think, two-star two rated. Uh, mm -hmm. Now it's close to five-star rated. Oh. So that itself tells you, you know the improve, you know the 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 impact we have had on on, on people, and you know the yeah. the way we I look at it is, if I'm transporting you know uh, a million people a day, mm -hmm. how can I save 15 minutes of their daily commute time? You know, um, 15 minutes. You know, that's 15 million you know New Jersey minutes that I have saved now. You know, <laughs> that's a minutes, lot of minutes. Those minutes go by faster than minutes in like say Montana. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, you know, from a technology perspective, how can I give you better data, better reporting, better alerting, better notification, mm -hmm. a better experience so that you could save that, yes. uh, save that time? Because now, you know, people are used to now an Uber-like uh, notification where you can now track your car, you can track your, yep. uh, you know, arrival mm -hmm. time. Yeah. And, you know, if Uber gives you one time and it adds, let's say, 10 minutes uh, on the original time, you are not going to be unhappy, uh, you know, rider for Uber, right? You may mm -hmm. shift to uh, their, you know, Lyft or some other company. That's right. You uh, could cancel your ride. I cancel uh, my ride. Not worth it. Yeah. yeah. Let me just drive. Right. I know. <laughs> Although to say that in New Jersey is a little more life threatening than to say that in some other states. I say that because my my daughter works in a hospital in Newark, New Jersey, and when she first started driving from her, one of the suburbs into the the hospital at uh, the Rutgers University Hospital, I made her father and I we were a wreck about her driving mm -hmm. into Newark. Uh, but she's of course done just fine. Um, mm -hmm. Let me, I want to switch back just for a minute because I'm, I'm fascinated with your, your DIY vendor tracker, the innovation tracker. Uh, I wanted you to talk a little bit about a position that you created that's related to this, the chief innovation officer. And is that something that you have posted now or you've already hired someone for it? Because you, you've essentially made this into a full-time job for someone to oversee. Yeah, so it's not posted. Uh, right mm -hmm. now, uh, there is a team of people who are looking at um, the, managing the whole okay. innovation mm -hmm. uh, life cycle, tracking them, you know, doing the POCs. Um, so I, uh, there is a advisor, a consultant who is advising us on, uh, on, on this, you know, because the, the kind of scale I'm looking for is somebody who has an excellent technology background, mm -hmm. but ex excellent technology background with transportation, uh, you know, and which, which I'm calling it the intelligent transport or the smart transport or the smart, smart transit. How mm -hmm. do we look at technologies inside the bus or the train and around it um, to make it smarter? Good. I think that that sounds like a great idea. Um, and as we and probably just mentioning that you haven't filled that position yet, you may hear from some people after this. After this, we are always looking for good talent. So if you, <laughs> you if anybody knows of any good talent, we never reject a good talent because you, you know it's the people uh, that transforms company because technology will change. So it's, totally, uh, giving good good set of people is very important. Yes.
Um, last, as we wrap up our conversation today, I want you to talk a little bit about, um, I'm always very interested, especially when CIOs have worked across different industries, Fortune 500 companies, nonprofit healthcare, um, vendor companies in the technology space, your work at Avaya. Tell me about some of the leadership lessons that you have, you know, the way you have balanced all the different competing demands on the role and, and, and share that with the idea of giving some advice to both maybe some of your colleagues, but also for future CIOs, the, the people that maybe were you 15 years ago. <laughs> So you started with the word empathy uh, yeah. at the end, uh, you know, so we have heard the term business to business, business to consumer, mm. uh, but I call it, you know, my term is human to human. Uh, so H to H. So how do we make sure that, you know, the people who mm. are the most important asset for any company um, and they are, uh, you know, how do we make sure that the people are taken care of? Mm-hmm. Uh, because, uh, because they are the ones who are responsible for the transformation. Yeah. Uh, so from for, so I always like uh, to hear of, uh, from, about people and talent from wherever, whichever sources is available. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, uh, we always welcome referrals if, uh, you know, because no, none of our employees are going to refer a bad uh, candidate to us uh, because it's their reputation as well. Um, so they always want to make sure that they, whoever they're referring is uh, something that they could standby. So it's very important to, you know, if you're going to be treat others like you, you want to be treated. Um, So my, I have an open door policy. I meet not just with my direct reports. I I have these lunch lunches. And this used to be, you know, when we were in the building, um, I used to meet with my entire IT uh, organization uh, on a 30 minute lunch, no business, nothing, just, Hey, how's everything? How's your family? Um, You know, because we are humans at the end of the day. Uh, you know, we are not robots. Even humans at the beginning of the day. And beginning of the day, <laughs> yeah. yes. So, so start to finish. So, you know, how do we, you know, so it's very important to connect with people at, at that level. Uh, so, uh, so, so keep that in mind. The other, from a, from a, from a career perspective, it's always good to create your own brand, mm-hmm. your own, uh, and do that, uh, that marketing. Um, uh, if you are, uh, if you, if you, um, you know, it's, uh, an interview like this mm-hmm. uh, is looked at uh, as that, you know, branding of your, uh, of your work. Uh, people take notice of it. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, some people may find it valuable or, mo- or most may find it valuable, the content. Mm-hmm. Some may not, some may not, but you know, that's okay. Um, but you need to reach out. You need to make sure that you are available. You are uh, visible. Um, and that's one of the ways we are attracting talent too, because this message of that we are transforming NJ Transit is the place to be. Come join us. Yes. It's all done through these platforms. Yes. Well, and I'm you're totally preaching to the choir there because I've just I've been on a mission for 20 years to get CIOs and IT leaders and technology leaders coming up the trail uh, to be future CIOs to recognize that your own professional brand is really, it's your reputation in the world and you want people to know about it. Uh, I think a few years ago, you know, if you said personal or professional brand to a CIO, they would Mm. kind of say, oh, you know, I'm not in the marketing department, you know, and I I mean, it felt like it was a little disreputable that you'd be bragging about yourself. So I'm constantly lecturing my CIO friends to be upfront about who you are and what your story is and 
Of course, yeah. that's easy for me to say. I come out of technology media. Of course, I want to hear CIO stories, but I think it's nothing but beneficial. So yeah, and you know, yeah. one of the and you have to have your internal goals. So, for example, to get to let's say this interview, I waited five years. Why? Because I was not ready then. Right. <laughs> Exactly. I'm almost a little suspicious when I have a CIO who's just started a new job and says, I want to come on and be interviewed. And I'm like, really? You yeah. just started, you know, because CIOs generally like to have a lot of accomplishments to talk about. And mm. the only downside from my perspective is that sometimes there may be a great story going on, but they're not ready to talk about it. So, but I think we've had a lot of great ideas out of you today. So thank you so much, uh, Lukman, for joining me today here. It's been wonderful having you on. And although I'm in Massachusetts, so I won't be riding New Jersey Transit anytime soon, I'm certainly going to mention it to my daughter and see uh, maybe she'll be a little safer getting on one of those big commuter trains than driving into the heart of Newark. And she can send direct feedback to me as far as her experience and her uh, mobile app experience. I happy to her. listen uh, but thank you so much guys, uh, for inviting me um, this was uh, excellent um, good, you know time well spent and thank you everybody who was joining on the live session hope yes. you found this valuable um, i'm available on linkedin so happy you know happy to connect mm -hmm. with anybody who uh, wants to connect marvelous okay thanks so much for your time today it's been great having you here thank you thank you man now, if you joined us late today, don't worry. You can watch the full episode in my conversation here with uh, Lukman Fuzzle later on either CIO.com or on YouTube. CIO Leadership Live is also available as an audio podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And I hope you enjoyed the conversation today with uh, Lukman as much as I did, and that you'll join me for our next episode of CIO Leadership Live, which will be on Monday, March 8th, again at noon Eastern time. And I'll be joined by Hernando Salado, who is the CIO of a healthcare provider called ChenMed. Please take a moment before you leave to subscribe to our YouTube channel, which is called IDG Tech Talk. You can find all of our previous episodes of CIO Leadership Live. And thanks again as well to my friends in the CIO Executive Council and on CIO.com for their ongoing support of the show. We'll see you next time. Stay well and safe out there. Thank you. This podcast is produced by IDG Communications Incorporated.